Good morning all. We are so glad that you are joining us on this special day. I challenge you to see where God is at work this week. Ask the Lord to open your eyes to see what you have not seen before. And may you see Him at work in people and places you had never seen Him before. Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you for another week that you have protected us and blessed us with. And we ask now, Lord, that you will minister to us and speak deeply into our lives and into our hearts. Minister to us, Lord, and won't you accomplish your purposes in us. We honor you, Lord. Amen. Good morning. Our reading is taken from Ruth chapter 2, and I will be reading from verses 19. I'll just give you a minute or two to find it. Her mother-in-law asked her, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead, she added. That man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabite said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with these women who work for him, because in someone else's field, you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the woman of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. So what far we'll read in the word today. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. The title of our message this morning is No Ordinary Days with the Lord. Ruth chapter 2 verses 19 to 23. There certainly are no ordinary days when God is involved. Sometimes one stands amazed at what happens when God is involved. Sometimes one day stands out above the others. We remember birthdays, anniversaries, graduation days, and all the other life-defining days. And there has been many for each one of us, and even the world that we are living in. For Naomi and Ruth, this day is the day of days. Something is about to happen that will change life forever for these two widows. After all, Naomi has suffered and lost. After all those hard years in Moab, after the long journey back to home with Ruth by her side, after leaving full and coming back empty, empty 
after all of that, she finally realizes the Lord has not forgotten them. The word ordinary comes from the Latin, suggesting something so mundane, so routine, so non-spectacular. But nothing is ordinary in a day when God is at work. God is at work whether we see what he is doing or not. He is at work in the chaos, the pain, the disappointment we would rather not experience. And out of that difficulty and suffering, something new and vital, even extraordinary, can be birthed. I have always been amazed at how fast life can change. One day everything in your life is going well. The next day everything has fallen apart. One day it appears that there is no hope for your situation. The next day your problem has been solved. These defining moments can change the fabric of our lives and they redefine us often. It has been quite a day for Ruth. It is going to be quite a night for Naomi. Ruth returns home tired but full. God has not forgotten her nor Naomi. The tide of life is beginning to turn and their response teaches us several wonderful lessons. Firstly, never forget to celebrate God's goodness. Verses 18 to 19. Ruth returns home, shows what she gleaned and gives Naomi the leftovers from the lunch that she had with Boaz on that day. Naomi is surprised and excited and asks two quick questions. Where have you gleaned? Where did you work? Her interest is not so much in the location as it is in the owner. At this moment, Naomi has no idea who owns the field that produced the bounty of food Ruth has brought home. Even so, she offers a prayer of blessing for this man without knowing who he is. With this prayer, she moves from bitterness to blessing. Already God's grace has started to heal her hurting heart. His goodness shines through even in the most dire circumstances, brothers and sisters. God never has a bad day when he withholds his goodness from his people. For us, goodness is an added quality, but it comes naturally for him. Psalm 119, 68 captures both when it says of God, You are good and what you do is good. He reveals his goodness to us through specific channels. And we're going to mention a few here this morning. First of all, through natural blessings, he reveals his goodness to us. God's goodness, yeah, expressed in the created order. Natural blessings are God's goodness expressed. 
in the created order. This is the lowest level at which he expresses his goodness. There is nowhere in the universe you can go where he will not be good to you. Look in every corner of this world and every part of your day and you will find the overflow of his goodness. Psalm 145 verse 16 says, You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. Despite the vastness of this universe and all the galaxies that we behold, this natural blessings are still the lowest of levels he blesses us with. But secondly, he does not only bless us through natural blessings, but he blesses us through kind interventions. And in Psalm 107, uh, Psalm, it describes different scenarios where God graciously steps in to reveal his goodness. I do not have time to unfold each one, just to touch on it. He comes to the rescue of people who are frantically searching for something or someone that will satisfy their soul. He intervenes in the lives of those who have rebelled against him and suffer for it. When they repent, he delivers them from their distress and breaks the chains that bind them and turns their night to day. Those are the first 19 verses that I've just referred to and unfolded for you. When they cry to the Lord, verse 20, He heals them and reverses the killing effects of affliction, viruses, diseases, illnesses in their lives. He rescues those pounded by calamity when the storm threatens to sink us and we are at our wit's end. Verse 27, we can call to him and see him command the storms to be still. Verse 29, because he is good. He has been there for you more than you will ever know. No matter what situation you are facing this morning, he is good all the time. He took the judgment that our sins deserved upon himself. Romans 5 verse 8. When he demonstrated his love toward us. His death for us is the undisputed picture of undeserved goodness. Neither you nor I deserve his goodness. His nature drives a desire to do for us that we cannot do for ourselves. He daily unlocks goodness toward us in new ways. Oh, we praise Him for being such a good, good Father. The goodness of God, though, calls for a response. If we think of Naomi, we learn that we need to repent of unbelief and gratitude. That's what Naomi did when she considered the goodness of the Lord. She repented of unbelief and gratitude. Stop this morning. Look around you. See the hand of the Lord in your life and turn to Him today. 
put an end to wanting the gift and not the giver. Put an end to what he can do for us while rejecting him. Repent of unbelief and gratitude the way Naomi repented. Let's learn from Ruth. Rest in his goodness when adversity comes. He has great goodness stored up for, for you and I. Take your refuge in him. Rest there. He is up to more than you know. Psalm 31 verse 19 says, How great is the goodness that he has stored up for those who honor him, for those who fear him, for those who reverence him. Another response should be, what Ruth did, step out in faith. You never miss out if you step out with God. Psalm 84, 11 says, The Lord God is a sun. That means He illuminates the path ahead for me. He shines brightly in the path ahead for me. He's a sun and He's a shield. He protects me every step of the way. He bestows grace and glory and mercy on us. And then the final part of that verse says, No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk, walk is upright. My challenge to you this morning is to think about all the ways that God has been good to you and step out in faith and give him the glory that he deserves. Secondly, never forget to celebrate his generosity. Verse 20, and this is what she said, Naomi in verse 20. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our kinsmen, redeemers. He's a close relative. He's one of our kinsmen, redeemers. In grace, God has raised up a person who can solve the problems and resolve the difficulties Naomi and Ruth faced. We have moved from bitterness, chapter 1, verse 20, to blessing, chapter 2, verse 20. As we think of this relative, the Old Testament law allowed a close relative to step in and redeem a family member under certain circumstances, according to Leviticus 25, 25 to 28. It allowed the redeemer to buy back a family member sold into slavery or to purchase land sold under economic hardship. In extreme situations, it allowed the Redeemer to avenge the blood of a family member who had been killed. Deuteronomy 25 verses 5 to 10 allowed a man to marry his dead brother's former wife if the brother died childless. That way, the man could raise up children for his deceased brother and keep the family name alive. But there is a restriction to the story. The law of the kinsman redeemer was never meant to apply to foreigners. 
like Ruth, despite that, we have a choice. We need to trust the Lord no matter what situation we are in. Ruth processed the wheat. She took the time to remove the chaff. Verse 23, Ruth taught us to focus on the blessings of God. She taught us it is about taking home the grain, that which nourishes, not the chaff, that which is worthless. What are you taking to others? Is it nourishing them? Is it a blessing to them? Or are you taking the chaff? that which is worthless to them. Too often we focus on the chaff and we lose sight of the bigger picture. Have you ever thought of God as generous toward you? Can you believe that when He looks at you with all your baggage, all your issues, all your fears, He says, I want to be generous to you. I cannot wait to pour out on you my happiness absolute best. Not because you deserve it, but because there is something about who I am that loves to overflow in extravagant ways upon you. He is for you. He has your back. He is there planning to do you good. You are the object of his affection this morning. And because of his divine nature, all that he expresses comes from an all-encompassing, God-sized generosity toward you. We also learn from Ruth to persevere, to press on. Ruth gleaned grain for seven weeks, almost two months. Imagine how your fingers would feel after each day. Maybe your circumstances are so mundane, your life so hard, and your options so few that you see no way out. Do not give up, child of God. We need to stick to it, to put our hand to the work like Ruth and continue not giving up at all. With the Lord there is always hope. There is always a way out of whatever we find ourselves. But then thirdly this morning, never forget to celebrate His guidance. Verse 21 to 23. God is able to direct us to where we need to be. We need to see His hand in our lives at all times. Naomi sees the invisible hand of God at work in leading Ruth to the field of Boaz. Of all the fields, in all the towns, in all the world, Ruth walked into the field of Boaz. All we know at this point is that Ruth happened to meet Boaz, who is the right man in the right place at the right time. Out of the bulk of details that happened on this momentous day, we can trace God's fingerprints in the seemingly random events of life. Nothing is random with the Lord. It's beyond ordinary. The same law as we think of Ruth, 
that forbids her to join the people of God, according to Deuteronomy 23, also opened the door of grace for her, according to Deuteronomy 24. She could not be excluded. She could not be disqualified because it provided for the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. Ruth qualified on all three counts. Brothers and sisters, we are all like Moabites. No one has an any claim on God's grace. But he made a way for us when he sent his son to die for us. When Ruth was in the field of Moab, she reaped nothing but sadness and death. But in the fields of Boaz, there was abundant provision. There was enough and more than enough. When Jesus fed the 5,000 after everyone had eaten as much as they wanted, the disciples collected 12 baskets filled with takeaways or leftover fish and bread, according to John 6, 12 to 13. So it is with our Lord. He provides so much that we can never run out. There is grace for today, grace for tomorrow, and an abundance of grace for next week, next month, and next year. He has grace for the most hopeless among us. He has grace for the most hopeless situation we find ourselves in. Who is the worst sinner on earth? Who is in the worst situation on earth today? Whoever it is, there is plenty of grace for that man or that woman and plenty left over for everyone else. In the book of Ruth, we hear from everyone except the main character. Naomi speaks, Ruth speaks, and Boaz speaks. God never utters a word, yet he is the prime mover behind the scenes. When he is involved, there are no ordinary days because every day matters to him. Not all days are alike. If someone had told Ruth early in the morning what was about to happen, she would not have believed it. She did not know what was about to happen, but God did. And he used her obedience to open a new chapter in her life. He will do the same for you and me. Your story is not over. Your story is not over. Did you hear that? Remember, never forget to celebrate his goodness. Never forget to celebrate his generosity. Never forget to celebrate his guidance. Your story is not over. He is ready to birth new chapters in your life and mine.
Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that our stories are not over. All we need to do is surrender our lives, our all to you. And as we do, Lord, you take us to where we've never been before. And we honor you for that. Won't you bless us during the next week? Won't you watch over us in everything that we do and say, Amen. Good morning, friends. And there are two things that I'd like us to reflect on this morning as we come together for communion. And the first is God's love for us. And Paul is often very passionate in his plea to his followers for them to understand the depth of Christ's love. In Ephesians 3 verse 18 he says, I pray that you will have the power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. The New Living Translation brings it to life a little, this verse. It says, you'll be made more complete. You'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power from God. If you understand the depth of this love. In Romans chapter 8, 33, Paul says, No power in the sky above or the earth below will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ our Lord. Such is the love of Christ reflected in these verses written by Paul. And today we have the symbols of bread and juice before us, serving as reminders of the love of God for us. But there's a second thing that I'd like us to reflect on this morning, and that is our love for God. And Paul says in Corinthians, in the verse that we'll read just now, it is good for a man to examine himself and for a woman to examine herself. And so it is good for us to ask ourselves the question today, how deep is our love for the Lord? How much time do we spend in God's business, sharing a word of encouragement, praying for one another, sharing from the word, reading from the word? We remember those words of Jesus to Peter. He asked him three times, Peter, do you love me more? than these and he asks us this morning robin do you love me more than these penny do you love me more than these ingrid do you love me more than these or has our love been eroded by the harsh realities of life some sobering thoughts for us our reading is from first corinthians 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And from verse 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. 
For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. Let us partake now of the elements, the bread and the juice. Let us pray before we eat together. Father, we acknowledge your love for us and that you sent your Son to die for us and that his body was broken for us. We eat this bread in remembrance of him. Let us eat together with thanksgiving in our hearts. Let us pray now before we partake of the juice. Father, we thank you for Jesus, the perfect sacrifice for our sins, the blood of the Lamb that satisfied the wrath of the Father. We thank you for the new covenant forged in Jesus. Let us drink now together with thanksgiving in our hearts. We pray now for those in our community. Let us pray. Father, at this time we pray for those in our midst, those in our church, members and adherents that have had a difficult time of late, particularly during this time of COVID. We ask that, Holy Spirit, you will be the comforter. Father, challenge us to share a word of encouragement to those in need. Challenge us, Lord, to give generously to those in need. We pray for your peace for our family here. And Father, we look forward to meeting around your table in your sanctuary. But Lord, we thank you nevertheless for the freedom that we have to meet, even in our homes, like this. In Jesus' name, Amen.